Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all and to worship with you today. Uh, just a couple announcements to quickly draw your attention to. One is, as you probably know, uh, this week is a pretty big week in Minneapolis with kind of the eyes of the world on us. And there are hundreds of churches across the Twin Cities that are coming together to spend some time in prayer. There's a huge prayer gathering this afternoon down at the Hennepin County Government Center. And then tomorrow there are churches all across the metro that are opening up their doors at noon for a time of prayer. And we are one of those churches. If you have the time and are able, we invite you to come and join us tomorrow at noon. It's going to be a very open time uh, just to come in here in the worship center and to spend some time in prayer for God's peace, God's guidance, and and those things. So we'd invite you to join us tomorrow at noon. Also, we're excited to have a Feed My Starving Children micro pack coming up in July. And so we know this is a ways off, but it'll be here before we know it. So save the date, July 22nd to the 25th. Uh, as many of you know, we have had a long partnership with Feed My Starving Children. Many years, we've packed a million meals. Uh, they're just trying to figure out how this all looks uh, in the time of COVID. And so it's going to be a smaller, socially distanced type thing. But it's a great opportunity for us as a church to support their ministry. It's a great thing to serve with your small group or your family. So again, save the date, July 22nd to the 25th, we'll be hosting Feed My Starving Children here at Calvary. Also, uh, we've tried to spotlight some of the ways that your investment into the mission and ministry here at Calvary is making a difference around the world. And I've got a pretty cool story uh, today that we received a request to our endowment committee uh, from a former Calvary staff member who with her husband, is now a missionary in Lebanon working with Syrian refugees. And so they're working to try to build uh, sustainable businesses for these refugees. And the hope and dream would be they eventually would be able to go back to Syria and have a way to make a living. And so we were able to give $10,000 towards their ministry where they're going to build a farm and they're going to have agricultural training and it's going to help these people, these refugees, uh, have a way of life when they go back to their homes. And so it's another example of how when we invest into the mission and ministry here at Calvary, it's literally making a difference for the gospel around the world. And if you have more questions about uh, all things endowment fund-wise, uh, you can go on our website and there are people to contact. But at this time, we're going to worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Again, it's an opportunity to make an investment into God's mission. And so you can give if you're here in the room by dropping a contribution off in the box on the way out of the worship center. You can also give online at calvary.org slash give. And we're so thankful to be in partnership with you in this mission and ministry. So today we are starting a new sermon series that's going to take us up until Easter. And this series is about the questions that Jesus asks of us. I think oftentimes we're inclined to talk about the questions we have for Jesus and the questions we have for God, which is awesome. I've done series before where we have people, you know, send in their biggest questions, the things on their mind, and we try to address those during the series, and I'm sure we'll do that again. One of my favorite questions for God or for Jesus is actually kind of a, a 
theorem that's in theology, and it's called the Jesus burrito. Maybe you've heard of this before. It's, can Jesus heat up a burrito too hot for himself to eat? I don't know, maybe sometime we'll address that in a sermon. But what we're going to do in this series is flip things around, and we're going to look at the questions that Jesus himself asks, because these questions are deep, and they they really get at the heart of who we are as people and what he's calling us to do. Jesus had a knack for asking these questions that uh, not only get you thinking, but they also compel you to act and even to shift direction in your life. Well, I don't know about you, but as I look around in our world and I see what the needs are and what's going on, one of the things I think our world desperately needs is healing. You know, there are so many people struggling with different health ailments, and what they need is healing. When we look around at the world and we see things like violence and we see division and we see genocide and we see racism, there definitely is a need for healing. There are so many relationships in our world today that need healing. The divorce rate hovers still around 50%. The Timberwolves and Gopher men's basketball team could definitely use some healing too. In our text that we're going to look at today from the Gospel of John, we're going to see how Jesus meets a man who has been ailing most of his life and then brings healing to him. So I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. If it's on your phone, turn on your, uh, turn on your Bible and turn to John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. It'll also be up on the screen. And so it reads, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the Pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. So Jesus enters Jerusalem during one of the big Jewish festivals, which meant it was mandatory for all young men really men of any age, to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival. You had no other option. Jesus goes as a devout Jew to this place, and it says he's by the Sheep's Gate, which is one of the gates into Jerusalem by the temple because it is where they would bring all of the animals that were about to be sacrificed during ceremonies in the temple. And he comes to this pool that is denoted that it has five porches, places where people can gather. And an interesting side note, at least for me, is that for many, many years, this was used as a proof against the Bible. Because scholars and architecture historians would say, there is no evidence in ancient architecture that there was ever a pool that would have five sides to it. It's just not a thing. 
Well, then about 100 years ago, a pool was found, and it took a long time to excavate, and finally they found it had five sides. Again, a proof of the truth of Scripture. So Jesus finds this large group of people all gathered around this pool, and all of them are ailing in some particular way. Now, if you have a Bible other than the King James Version, you'll probably see that verse 4 is missing in your translation. But there is a footnote there, most likely, that explains why these people were gathered at this pool. You see, they believed that when the water was stirred up, this was caused specifically by an angel. And they also believed that the very first person to get in the water when it started to be stirred up, they would be magically healed. It's kind of a heartbreaking image, isn't it? All of these people struggling, in pain, hurt, and they're just waiting for their moment. They're waiting for their turn. And you can imagine all of them scrambling, trying their hardest to be the very first one as soon as the water would bubble up. The thing is, this kind of scene is still seen around the world today. In Lourdes, France, there's a spa where people take a pilgrimage thinking that if they get into the water, they will be healed. In Mexico City, there's a shrine of Guadalupe where there is a stack of crutches where people have gone to receive healing. Well, the fact is, the pool of Bethesda had a spring underneath of it, and the water would bubble up out of the reservoir, and the water would be stirred up. Now, surely God healed people in this place, but the emphasis was being put in the wrong place. It was being put on the water and not on God's power. And so Jesus comes to this place, and he sees this one particular man sitting by the pool, and he had been sick for 38 years. We don't know specifically what is wrong with this man. Oftentimes, he's called lame or he's called crippled. But he might have had cancer, he might have had tuberculosis, he might have had multiple sclerosis, maybe some other disease that made him weak and immobile. Now imagine for a moment being in this guy's shoes. He's wasting away, he's in this space day after day, decade after decade, and he's just hoping one day he'll somehow be able to get in the water first. You can imagine how lonely, how humiliated, how depressed, and how hopeless he would feel. But Jesus chooses him, and he goes directly to him, to which the question could be, why him and not the others? Well, the text never says that he doesn't go to the others. We don't know for sure. But Jesus could have set up a big tent revival. He could have had some big megachurch rally. But what this shows us is the heart of God for each one of us, that he cares about us as individuals, and he meets with us personally. Jesus is drawn to every person's particular needs, pain, and hurts. Now, when Jesus comes to this man, he has one question for him. He says, do you want to be healed? Isn't that such a strange question to ask someone who's been ailing for 38 years? Does this lame man want 
to be healed? Maybe you can remember back to when you were a kid, like I remember back, and we were on car trips, and my parents would eventually say to us, do you want us to pull the car over? Did you ever have that happen? And you're like, I mean, obvious answer, right? In the same way, Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed? But maybe Jesus is getting at something a little bit deeper, maybe a deeper meaning, a deeper truth, because this man doesn't give the obvious answer. He doesn't say, yes, now, please. You see, this is a man who's had to live off of charity for decades. Maybe he'd mentally given up. Maybe he knew if he was healed, everything would change. He'd have new responsibilities, new challenges. But also the word that Jesus uses for healing doesn't just mean physical healing. It means complete wholeness. It means emotional, spiritual, and physical healing. And this is actually a very deep and expansive question that Jesus is asking. But what if we were to to consider that same question where we're at today? If Jesus were to ask you, do you want to be healed today? How would you respond? You know, as Jesus looks at us, he sees us, many of us who have been crippled by problems, crippled by circumstances, crippled by sin and bitterness and jealousy. And isn't it easier sometimes to just wallow in our anger and our pain and our hurt? Isn't it easier to just hold on to our wounds sometimes? Don't we so often hold tightly? to those things that cripple us spiritually. We might even believe that it's possible for Jesus to bring us restoration, to bring us wholeness. But then we think about what that would mean for our daily life. I mean, it might mean taking responsibility for our choices. It might mean taking responsibility for our our part in the conflict. It might even get to the point where we can't blame others for our lot in life. That question, as simple as it is, actually cuts to the most deep parts of our life, where we're most vulnerable, where we're most insecure, where it's most painful. Do you want to be healed? I mean, that means shining a light into the dark places. It means bringing things to the surface we don't want anyone to know about. I think sometimes it can be so easy to get used to the pain It's hard to imagine what life would be like without it. So again, the question that Jesus has for this man, but it's the question he has for each one of us this morning, is do you want to be healed? Now, I think oftentimes when we read the Bible, when we read the Gospels, we think, you know, this is a nice story. There's some great truth there. We can kind of imagine what it was like, but we read it kind of detached, But what if we would make an effort today to put ourselves into the center of this story? What is God trying to get at in your life? What is he trying to help you work on? What are you trying to hide? What are you trying to forget? What are you bottling up? What are you pretending is not there? Because you see, Jesus is speaking into your life and mine this morning. Now, when you come to church and you look around, 
You see other people gathered. What do you see? Do you see people who have it all together? People who are dressed up nice, people who look happy, maybe have the perfect life on the outside? Or do you see other people with hurts and wounds and pain? I was reading an article this week about this very topic, and the article says, in church, over here is a family with an income of $600 a week, but they have expenses of 1000 Over here is a family with two children who, according to their dad, are failures. You're stupid. You never do anything right, he is constantly telling them. The lady over there just found a tumor that tested positive. The Smith's little girl has a hole in her heart. Sam and Louise just had a nasty fight, and each one of them is thinking of divorce. Last Monday, Jim learned that he was being laid off. Sarah has tried her best to cover the bruises that her drunken husband inflicted when he came home Friday night. That teen over there feels like he is on the rack, pulled in both directions. Parents and church pulling one way, peers and hormones pulling the other. Then there are those with lesser hurts, but they don't seem so small. An unresponsive spouse, a boring job, a poor grade, a friend or a parent who's unresponsive, and on and on the stories go. The lonely, the dying, the discouraged, the exhausted, they're all here at church. See, the point of this article is it's oftentimes easy to come and put on a show, to look like we have it all together, but underneath there can be incredible pain. You know, too often when people ask us how we're doing, we say something like, I'm doing just fine when we're anything but fine. And so to the one who's been crippled by past hurts, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? To the one who's crippled by sin, Jesus says, do you want to be forgiven? To the one crippled by addiction, Jesus says, do you want to be set free? To the one who's been crippled by unbelief, Jesus says, do you want to be saved? To the one crippled by loneliness, Jesus says, do you want to experience community? To all of us here who need his healing touch, Jesus says, do you want to be healed, but do we actually have a desire to change? Are we ready to do what Jesus calls us to do, to break with our past, to forgive others who have treated us poorly time and time again, to take responsibility for our own actions and our own words? Are we willing to follow his lead forward? Well, back in our story from John 5, the lame man gives a very hopeless-sounding excuse. I mean, remember, it's Jesus himself that's standing by him asking the question. But here's how he responds. He says, I can't, sir. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. It's a weird response because he doesn't really answer Jesus' question. Instead, he just gives an excuse why he's still lame. But again, it's easy to feel sorry for him. I mean, he's been lonely and abandoned. He's caught up in 
all of his problems. But what about us? Don't we often think in very much the same way? When Jesus asks us, do you want to be healed? What's your response? Maybe much the same. Do you want to be healed from your past hurts? Are you tempted to say, but you don't realize how badly those, pers- those people hurt me? When he says, do you want to be forgiven from your sins? Are you tempted to say, but I don't know how to break the cycle? When he says, do you want to be freed from your addiction? Are you tempted to say, well, I could stop anytime I want to? When he says, do you want to be saved? Are you tempted to say, well, I'm really not that bad compared to all those people out there. When he says, do you want to stop being alone? Are you tempted to say, but I'm not sure I could ever trust anyone again. When he says, do you need my, or do you want my healing touch? Are you tempted to say, but I don't want to give up control. The good news is Jesus ignores the man's excuses and he simply says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk See, Jesus is saying, forget your excuses, your fears, your reservations. He refuses to say to the man, poor you. And instead, he initiates the gospel according to Nike. He says, just do it. But make sure you understand what I'm saying here. It's not about self-help. It's not a do-it-yourself thing. Healing and new life comes 100% from God's power He comes to give us this amazing gift, and it's up to us to choose to follow him. See, Jesus came to give up his life, to shed his blood, and then he calls us to get up and walk. He already took care of the biggest obstacles of all, which is sin and death and evil. And so we can forget our excuses, we can forget our guilt, and we can take comfort in the cross. Forget your fears, forget your insecurities, forget your wounds. He chooses you on purpose. Your new life in the kingdom begins right now. There's no more waiting. Salvation is not a future prospect that we just wait for someday down the line. He offers us new life, a healed life, right now. Now, I think an amazing thing about Jesus is that he truly fulfills the hopes and the dreams of the world. Things that the world is seeking in all of the strangest places, Jesus comes to truly fulfill. You see, these people that Jesus encountered on this particular day, they're convinced that they can find the hope and the healing that they need from the natural world. They figure they can find the energy and the power that they need from this spring of water. Now today, maybe many in our culture are not drawn to magical springs. Although if you've been to Sedona, Arizona before, some people are. But people do try to find a hope in healing from all different places that they really shouldn't. Whether it's self-help books, whether it's materialism, whether it's seeking the perfect relationship that will somehow complete them, Jesus comes along and he says, no, I am the one who brings hope 
and the healing that you need. And it's not from the natural world. It's from the new creation that he's come to invite us into. You see, the salvation that Jesus offers to us means there's a new day. There's a new hope. Now, when Jesus says the words, get up or stand up, it's the same word that's used for the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, to describe resurrection. See, Jesus is inviting us into a resurrection type of hope. Jesus is able to bring new life, new creation, new healing, a resurrection into the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of our lives. Now, the man had a choice at this point. He heard the invitation, but in order to go forward, it was going to require obedience, even humility. It meant a willingness to embrace the joy and the healing that Jesus offered. The man would actually have to take a step forward, and it meant taking a risk. And he did. This man who had not stood under the power of his own legs for nearly four decades hopped up from the dusty ground, rolled up his bedroll, which I love as a detail as a former Boy Scout. Like before he's going to go walk and enjoy that, he rolls up his sleeping bag. You know, be prepared, right? And he strolls away. I don't know about you, but I imagine him maybe doing a little dance down the road as he heads home. One more thing I want you to consider. As in all of the stories of Jesus' healings in the Gospels, in the end, he's less concerned about just walking, even though that's great. What he's most concerned about is each one of our hearts, receiving wholeness and new life, being healed not just for today, but for eternity. Sometimes it can be hard, I think, to read stories like this, especially when we're dealing with our own physical struggles. Maybe we prayed day after day, maybe 38 years to be healed. What we need to remember is that physical healing is temporary, yet spiritual healing is for eternity. So again, the all-important question that Jesus has for each one of us today Maybe one of the most consequential spiritual questions, maybe it's a gateway spiritual question that we need to answer before we can truly walk with him. He says, do you want to be healed? If so, know that you are not alone. Jesus is here with you. He's here with you and he's saying, then get up and walk but not just stopping there. He says, get up and walk with me. You see, when God offers you new life, all you have to do is stand up. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is decide to receive it. And the amazing truth is then it's yours. Let's pray. Gracious God, We give you thanks for the truth of your word, for this incredible story about this man at one particular time, one particular place that has this profound truth for each one of us. 
God, we hear your question. Do you want to be healed? Help us to respond with humility, with vulnerability. Help us depend on you and receive your grace. God, we're thankful that you know exactly what we need. You know our deepest hurts, our deepest wounds, our deepest pain, and you don't leave us there. You come to minister to us and to invite us into a better way of life. God, you know the physical struggles we have, the emotional struggles we have, and the spiritual struggles that we have. And so today, God, help us to say yes, to get up and walk, to walk with you each and every day. Help us to find hope in the hopeless of this world. Help us to find comfort. Help us to find peace that's only found in you. And then God, help us to share that with others. Help us to share your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness with every person we meet. God, we're thankful again for who you are. And for above all else, we thank you for Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. At this point in our service, we're going to share a time of communion. If you have your little communion packet with you, you can get that out. If you're watching online, you can grab whatever you have uh, available in your house, some bread, some juice, or some wine. We're reminded on the night in which he was betrayed, he Jesus sat down with his best friends, his disciples, and they shared in the Passover meal like they did every single year. But this one particular time, Jesus changed things up. He took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper, he took a cup and he gave thanks. He gave it to them to drink saying, this cup is the new cup in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus invites us into this new covenant and healing relationship. Let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So if you have your communion pack, you can peel off the first layer and you can get out the wafer and know this is the body of Christ, which is given for you. And then if you peel back the next layer, can drink the juice and know this is the blood of Christ, which is shed for you. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace.